Sold up her Bible. So I'm a child of God. Have in my hand the powerful Word of God. It can change lives, heal broken hearts, save man's soul. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, awesome, awesome. I am so glad that you're here today and uh, glad that you had a great Thanksgiving. Glad that uh, you're able to get family around you. And it's always a very special time, isn't it? Uh, this year we gathered with Cindy's family and uh, uh, our niece and, and her husband opened their new home to us and uh, so much more room for us all to spread out in. And it seems like with grandkids and in-laws and outlaws, it gets the, they, they, they just keep coming. <laughs> but it's always a joy to have them all together, isn't it? And uh, fun to eat. Golly, we like to eat, don't we? Here, and poor old turkeys. I, I, I couldn't resist the picture I put on the front of the bulletin last week. That turkey kind of looking at us like, hello. <laughs> There's a lot of them gave, a lot of them sacrificed themselves last uh, Thursday, so praise the Lord. And again, if you're an OSU fan, they played well, but uh, oh my. As next year, there you go. There you go. Hopefully Bradford will go off to the pros and we'll have a have a little better shot at it. Uh, if, you, if you can, John's taking uh, uh, donations back there to help the Sooners uh, along the way. Pray for them so that they'll be the Big 12 champions, right? Is that what we need to do? We're not praying for that. Good grief. Just a few moments ago, we took communion. And communion is a very special time in the life of a Christian. Ought to be. Jesus said, as often as you do this, do it how? In remembrance of me. So there is an essence of memory that we are to attach to what we do related to communion. And it helps us <clears throat> in developing our lives and remembering the incredible reality of God's love for us. And I want this morning to equate the importance of this with the importance of a very, another very important event that happens in most of our lives, and that is marriage. And you might say, preacher, we're just after Thanksgiving. What a better time to talk about this. And I want to talk about it from the standpoint of Christ love for His bride, the church. And I want to speak to you about His devotion and His sacrifice, His unparalleled passion that's in His heart for His church. I also want to argue that if the church means that much to Jesus, it ought to mean that much to you and to me. In fact, I want to pick up on the analogy that Paul uses of Christ's love for the church and ask you a very important question. And that question is the title of the message today. Are you married or are you just dating the church? You see, the difference in the two is obvious. Dating is a, it's kind of a trial period in a relationship where Commitments are soft. Relationships tentative. You always have options. You keep them open. 
Because if you're just dating, you're just not really sure. But when you get married, the commitment is supposed to be solid. Rock solid. Nothing, nothing can separate you. Amen? Marriage is a covenant relationship of devotion and sacrifice and joy. How is there joy and sacrifice? Well, there is. And in marriage, you, you've burned the ships, turning, uh, there's no turning back, and you only have eyes for the one to whom you've pledged yourself. So you ask again, and I ask again, are you married to the church, fully devoted, making sacrificial investments of time, money, and energy? Or are you just dating the church, nominally involved, partially invested, maintaining enough detachment so that if it doesn't work out the way you want, you can hit the door with no lingering obligations. How you answer that question determines whether you have nailed down this last truth in our study of developing tools in your trauma toolbox. We've taken six Sundays to open the lid on our inner world and see what's inside. And we want to be certain that we already have vital truths in place before that bottom drops out. Uh, truth worth believing. Let me remind you of some of those. The Lord, He is God. The Bible is God's Word to me, to you. I am a sinner who needs a great Savior. And God has sent His Son, Jesus, to be that Savior. And when you're... Careful plans are shattered by trouble or disease or calamity. What you need to know and believe is that that salvation is a gift you receive, not a paycheck you can earn. And the sixth truth that you need to nail down in your life is a personal commitment to a local church. Now maybe that sounds a little self-serving for me to include this in the six items of developing tools in your trauma toolbox life-saving things that you will want in place when crisis arises. I mean, I'm a pastor. And we're gathered with the church right now, and I'm here saying that it is vital to have a strong, growing relationship with the people of God where you can encourage each other in Christ and pray for one another and bear each other's burdens and intervene when you see a brother or sister lapsing into some sinful pattern. Is it self-aggrandizing for me to urge you to belong and be personally invested in a local church for your own sake? Well, there are a lot of people who think so. Statistically, one out of four church attendees are considered church shoppers with no real devotion to any particular local church. An estimated 15 to 20 million Americans have said they are Christians but don't want to be part of the church. Around 80% of American evangelical churches are plateaued or declining. And when asked, people give the standard answers. And here they are. Church is irrelevant. Church is boring. Church is hypocritical. Wow, they're just after my money. Some have even been hurt by the church. And they have been hurt deeply. Because people hurt people. It's been said of Christians that we're the only ones that shoot our own wounded. And maybe you've been one of those that have been shot. 
And that's why you stay aloof. That's why you don't really want to get involved. That's why you, you don't want to be a member of the church. Well, I got hurt once before. Ah, that bunch down there, they'll hurt me again. And then you kind of heal up and you, you feel like you want to take a risk and take a chance. Ah, no. Well, their doctrine's different than what I grew up. They can't be right. I mean, after all, I grew up this way and they're talking about this stuff. And how, so I must, it must be wrong over there if they think they're right. You know what's right is Jesus. Jesus is what's right. If we're not preaching Jesus, why are we here? Why are we here? Now, I have my opinion about what certain things say based on what the Word of God teaches them to say. And if we'll let this say what it says, then there's usually not an issue. Amen? But it's when we bring our traditions to the table that sometimes make, we, we make them supersede the Scripture. Have you noticed that? As you've talked with people, Boy, they'll say, well, now my old brother so-and-so said. Well, I appreciate brother so-and-so saying something. <laughs> Amen. But did he open this and really analyze what it said? There's where we need to go. Not so much on my tradition. Because if, if, if that were the case, if I was operating by tradition, ooh, these things over here, this and this and those two things. <sighs> Drums? Mmm. Roof's going to cave in. We're going to hell in a handbasket. That's my tradition. Chairs and not pews. Mmm. Windows in the church. Mmm. A fellowship hall that's attached to the sanctuary of God. That's how I was raised. I was raised, if you make a mistake... You're going to go to hell. I don't know how many times I heard the preacher say that. And oh, oh, you didn't have paid preachers. It was elders that did the preaching. And they'd rotate. They'd take a different month. And some of them were better than others. And so you look forward to the months when the old boy that knew how to speak could speak. And still the old boy, all he, all he did was get up. If he couldn't speak, all he did was get up and say, Whoop, 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 whoop. I never will forget this guy. Whoop, whoop. Well, the Bible says if you sin, you're going to hell. Man, I'm just a kid listening to that. I'm going, I guess I am. If you're disobedient to your parents, I said, that's me. If you fight with your brothers and sisters, that's me. Yeah, I just started listening to it. I guess I was going to hell. And then I got to a church, and I heard the preacher talking about the grace of God and how my sins have been covered at the cross, and the grace of God loved me enough to save me. By sending Jesus down on the cross. I went, I want part of that. And it's taken me a long, long, long time to understand that married relationship that Christ has with me. But maybe you're in that number of people I just mentioned. There's a wall that rises when you come to a place like the church. A kind of automatic attitude that keeps anything that might be said or done or experienced here even this morning at arm's length. I want to challenge you to alternate conclusions based on the evidence of Scripture. And I want us to go to Ephesians 5. We're going to look at that very familiar section. We kind of read one of the verses this morning, but we're going to go on through that. And as I read this scripture in just a moment, I want to encourage you to look beyond the secondary application 
to husbands to the primary application of Jesus and the church. Wives, for today, I want to ask you to not examine your husband (laughs) as we walk through this passage. Instead, let the foundational relationship described here ring out. Here we go. Husbands, follow along with me in your scripture. We don't have that up there, do we, Jeff? We got all of it? Husbands, love your wives just as also Christ loved the church and gave Himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her in the washing of water by the Word. He did this to present the church to Himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but holy and blameless. In the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, who he, loves, he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church, since we are members of his body. Amen? For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and and be joined to his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. This mystery is profound, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. There are two word pictures found within these passages of Scripture that makes sense to us. Analogies that are obvious in this passage. And when we read them, we can see and feel what they mean. And both of them bring home to us the importance of being personally committed to a gathering like this. The first one. The church is the bride or the wife of Jesus. And the whole context of this section of Scripture about marriage has this model of Christ's passion for His bride, the church, at the very foundation of the teaching of these passages. Women like to go to these passages and beat their husbands up with them. Men, you should be beat up with these verses if you're not loving your wife the way they describe Christ loving the church. Now, You might say, well, I am loving her that way, preacher. Okay, can you cover your ears with duct tape and let me ask your wife if if you're loving her that way? I could get a show of hands, but then it would be ugly because my wife would raise her hand. No, he's not. You see? Because you see, we struggle, don't we? To love someone else as much as Christ loves us. I have a unique advantage as a pastor. When I get to stand in front at weddings, I get to see one of the most beautiful things in all the world. Because there's nothing more regal, more beautiful, more uh, awesome than the bride for the very first time to be married walking down that aisle to the front. You men, you remember, don't you? And see, the vantage point I have is I get to see what he sees. Now, the latest wedding that I was a part of was my son, Corey, Megan. And boy, she looked, ooh, man. And I saw her beforehand. He hadn't seen her. And I was doing okay. We had everybody lined up. We saw us kind of sweating because it was in June. We are kind of sweating out there outside, and it was a beautiful day, but hot. You know how it can be in June. But it worked out okay, no rain or anything. I was hoping for a wind, a north wind in June. But, eh, it's all right. So we're standing outside and we're doing good. And I was doing okay. I was kind of being proud dad along with being the pastor for the service. 
And Megan comes up and walks around and then starts up the aisle. And I look over at my son because I always look in the face of the, of the groom looking at his bride for the first time. And I look over there and that big tough boy of mine, that, that OSU grad, that cowboy at heart, you know, pistol peach, choo-choo-choo. Yeah, he's tough, man. I've watched him. He's sitting on them tears just running down his face because he's so proud. He's so proud that he's going to be married to that girl. Well, guys, you remember what I'm talking about, don't you? Now, we stand up here and we're just going, yeah, man, you know, I don't do that kind of stuff. I've watched you, you liar. I've watched some of you. I've watched you. Oh, Aaron Hearn, tough, tough as nails, right? Little Kathy walking down out of boat. He, oh, yeah, he was. Worse than that was Don walking her down the aisle. I've got to give her to him. Oh, no. Yeah. Because there's nothing greater than that. I'm telling you right now. And that's the moment. That's the moment. That unspeakably happy moment. That lost in love moment. That they are ready to pledge their love one to another. It's awesome. It's awesome. But if you can remember the look on the groom's face, or if you can remember the look on your face, then in a small way you can understand the intensity of how Christ feels about us. That groom beaming with tears running down his face because he's so excited to be joined with his bride. John Stott wrote, What stands out here in this passage is the sacrificial steadfastness of the heavenly bridegroom's covenant love for his bride. What makes this passage even more striking for me is that I am a part of his church. The church in the Bible is made up of those who have been called out by the Spirit of Christ to salvation. The church is God's people. It's you and me and every believer in every place around this world who has put their trust in Jesus as their Savior and Lord. The truth is when you read that Christ loved the church and gave Himself for her, you might as well be reading, Jesus loves me like that. Boy, there's no greater love than a husband for a wife and a wife for a husband. I love it when Cindy gets home. And we can look at each other and we can cuddle and we can snuggle. And I just open my arms like that and she just falls right in there. And I just love that. And pretty soon she starts hitting me. Get away, get away, get away. Because I just love to snuggle. I'm a snuggler. And I love it. Our little dog loves us when we come home because she stays home all by herself all day long and you walk in the door, man, she just, she just can't get enough. Some of you got pets, you know what I'm talking about. Now, Corey's got a pet. He and Megan, they've got this dog. I mean, that, he can ride that dude. And when he jumps on you, you've been jumped on. But boy, he loves people. You walk in the door, we walk in last night to have dinner with him and old champ's at the door. <laughs> Corey made him go outside and he laid it to the room. He wanted to come in. He wanted to come in and be with us. 
And you know, that's really a great picture of how we're supposed to love each other. So much, we don't want to be away from each other. We want to be together. That's what you love about hugging howdy, isn't it? I turn you loose to hug and howdy, and you're out there. You would go 15, 20 minutes if we'd let you do it. Because some of you try to get from here to back there in the corner, and you got 18 people to get to before you get back, then you just can't get everybody. That's all right. That's all right. Stick around after church. You can find them. It becomes intensely, intensely personal. When you meditate on the words, Christ loved the church, and when you see that we're included in that love. And it, it strikes me when we see the Greek word for love that Paul uses here to describe immediately. It immediately takes me to the cross because it's, it's the word agape which, which refers to the absolute unself-centered sacrifice of Christ for my sake. His love on the cross hung for the sins that I commit even today. Before I was saved and after I'm saved. Oh, wait a minute. I can't sin after I'm saved. Is that right? <laughs> what planet did you grow up on? What truck did you fall off and get drugged half a mile? Yeah, you keep sinning. The bad part is we do it willfully. We even know we're messing up. Hmm. Yeah, well, them kids, you know how they are. I haven't even talked to the kids yet. I haven't got time to talk to them. i got to get the adults straightened up first. When I was a youth pastor for 14 years, my biggest chore was to get the parents straightened up so the kids would turn out all right. Amen? All of you that are teachers and coaches, am I not talking the truth here? I'm telling you. you got parents that are they're, they're nuts. I mean, they're nuts. You make, a, you make a decision, take their kid out of, the, out of the game, put them on the bench. After the game, you're fixing to get shot. How dare you take my son, my my daughter, my kid, my the best ever. Whatever. Yeah. On one leg, they're better than anybody you got out there. Well, take them somewhere else and let them play. Don't you just want to say that? But you know, doesn't it hurt God? Doesn't it affect the relationship when you and I decide that we're going to love the world, our friends? more than we're going to love what Christ wants us to love. I, I read that He gave Himself for His bride in these passages. I count the cost He's personally undertaken. The wording here speaks of voluntary surrender and total commitment to the horrors of bearing my sins in His body. On the cross, to ransom me from slavery to sin... And take me to Himself. Boy, that's sacrifice. That's sacrifice. The broken body, the shed blood of Christ are measures of how far He will go. And when you took the bread and you took the little sip of juice, that's how far He would go for you. For me. Christ is totally committed to the church. He's totally committed to me. Can I receive love like that from Him as an imperfect person? That He is sanctifying while I'm ignoring the rest of what His love has purchased? You know what i found in my life. The more like Christ I become, the more I love what He loves and devote myself to what moves Him to action. Are you becoming less of you and more of Him, as John said? 
Are you becoming less of him and more of you? You see, we have a tendency. We get in a rut and we get complacent. And so the Word of God just doesn't penetrate us anymore. We bring a revival meeting in, and those are, those are ancient days, aren't they? We bring a speaker in, and that, preach, that, that speaker, that preacher will say the same thing that your preacher said 150,000 times, but finally you hear it. Why? Because a different voice brought it, but it's the same message. Oh, we need that preacher right there. Boy, whew. Yeah, and if he was here every time, every Sunday you showed up, pretty soon you'd be going, mm-hmm. He's having a hard time today, ain't he? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because, see, we don't open to the Word of God. We don't open ourselves to let God really penetrate us. We don't let the church be what the church is, and we forget to appreciate what Christ did for us. In verse 25, the church is the wife of Jesus, but in verse 30 is the second word picture, and that's where the church is called the body of Christ. We are members of His body. It says Paul, is what it says, Paul changes the imagery to emphasize something important. The image of the bride tells us deep things about the devotion and love of Christ that He has for us. His bride. The image of the body of Christ reminds us that we have an assignment to fulfill. When Jesus bodily walked this earth, He moved from place to place in a very small geographical area doing the will of the Heavenly Father, securing salvation for anyone who would believe. Having now ascended back to heaven, He still moves from place to place, only now it's on a global scale. How does He do it? How does He do that? He does it through us. He does it through us. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 22, it expands our thoughts on this picture when it tells us that God the Father has put everything under His feet and appointed Him as head over everything for the church, which is His body. The fullness of the One who fills all things in every way. And like the fingers and the toes, like the eyes and the elbows of your physical body, you and I are a part of Christ's body here on earth, which is the church. And just like the various parts of your physical body have a specific function in relation to your body, so you and I have a specific function in the body of Christ. And there's no unimportant member of the church. You might say, well, I just don't do anything. I just don't do anything. Charlotte Grove was a member, a charter member of this church some years ago. Charlotte Grove played the organ for a number of years. And as age crept in, she was not able to play anymore. She then was put in a, uh, a nursing facility and a retirement facility. And every time I would go to call on, on her and have lunch with her, she would say, Brother Harold, I, I just don't, I'm just not useful anymore. How can God use me? I used to be so active. I used to teach Sunday school. I used to play the organ. I, would, I, I was so active. And now I can't do anything for God. And I asked her, I said, Charlotte, can you pray? She said, well, yeah, I can pray. I said, then I need you to pray for me and for the church and for the leaders at our church every day. That we'll be protected from the, from the wiles of the devil. That we'll have strength, we'll have wisdom, and we'll have discernment. Will you pray for that? And so she began to be one of the first prayer warriors that we've ever had in our church. And I remember, because I, I would show up and I could tell that she had been praying for me. And when I would come in, God had laid an impression on her heart. And she'd say, you were struggling this week. That's all she would say. Because she knew from the impressions the Spirit laid in her heart that I was in, under attack from Satan 
And she knew it. Now, isn't that awesome? Now, that's the body of Christ at work, isn't it? Now, there's some of you that teach. There's some of you that, that, that cook dinners. There's some of you that coordinate fellowships. There's some of you that are in leadership positions. There's some of you that go out and knock on doors. There's some of you that uh, uh, work with the kids. There's some of you that sing. There's some of you that, that where are you at? What are you doing? Where can we plug you in? Some of you pray. You know, there's just a number of ways that you can be used of God in this place to help this body and to be a part of it. What if, what if your left eye decided it wasn't going to work today? What if your left eye said, you know what? I'm going on. I'm, I'm going. I'm, I'm shutting down today. Not going to work today. Well, man, you'd walk around with only your right eye working. That's not very good. What if your big toe said, you know, I'm not working today. I'm the one that does, does the most work anyway. The others are just posers. They're just out hanging out. I'm the one that does the work. I'm, I'm shutting down today. You probably can't walk. What if, you're, what if your right knee said, no, nope, I'm not bending again today. Now, for some of us that have been in braces, we know what that feels like. But what if you're just sitting there all of a sudden, you stand up in just a minute, and all of a sudden your right knee locks up and says, Whoop, I'm done for the day. Well, you're going to drag that leg all day, aren't you? Yelling, screaming, calling the doctor, my knee just locked up. I can't. Yeah, okay. The doctor says, God told me that the knee said he's going to quit today. You get what I'm saying? If one part of the body decides not to work, what if your right ear said, nope, not going to hear today? What if your hair said, I'm not going to stay attached to your head, I'm going to fall out? What if your thumb, what if your thumb said, I'm just going to fall off your body? You don't need a thumb, you just walk around like this all the time. <laughs> you know? I'm for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you get the point. Hebrews 10, my favorite, some of my favorite verses, 10, 24, and 25. And let, this, let us be concerned. Another way it says, and let us stimulate, I love that word, one another in order to promote love and good works. Not staying away from our meetings as some habitually do, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now you look around you today, this morning. And you see a person who wasn't here, or isn't here, who was here last week. And you might wonder, well, I wonder where they are. Would you take it a step further and this afternoon pick up the phone and call them and say, hey, I missed you today. Now you might say, well, I just don't like to talk on the phone. And I know that's not true. You've got cell phones. It don't matter whether you like to talk on them or not because you do talk on them. So do something constructive for the body of Christ and make a phone call. Hey, I missed you today. Hey, I missed you. In fact, call Fern if you wouldn't mind. Call Fern today. Just tell her you're praying for her. That'll take you 30 seconds. It'll take her longer to answer the phone than it will be for you to say, hey, I'm praying for you today. But call her. Let her know that, you're, that she's being prayed for. Call Pat. Tell Pat that you're excited that her eyesight's coming back and you're praying for her. Amen? Call Jack and Arlene. Haven't been able to be here for three weeks now. Have you noticed? Call them. Call them. Don't let me have all the fun. You call them. You call them and encourage them and pray for them. David Lord now, he's missed two Sundays. I'm going to knock him in the head. That's why he missed one Sunday, because somebody did knock him in the head. I don't know why he ain't here today, but he needs to be here today. We're playing union, state championship. He needs all the prayer he can get. Amen? 
You see what I'm saying? Look around you. See who's not here. Give them a call this week. Kathy and Aaron, uh, Aaron are out sick this morning. Give them a call. Craig and Carrie, they don't attend church here, but call them anyway. Say, hey, your mom mentioned you all sick. We're praying for you. Call them. Well, I don't have their number. Call me. I'll get it for you. You see what I'm saying? Are you with me? Let's be a part of the body that misses each other. Let's be a part of the body of Christ that loves each other enough to want to be, to want to be involved in each other's lives. And for this church to be all God wants it to be, each member needs to be working properly, needs to be connected, needs to be participating, sharing the burdens and the joys together. Oh, by the way, we set a goal of $5,000 to be raised by last Sunday. You gave $5,500. Plus, you gave over $1,200 in one setting for benevolence. Plus, you gave over $2,000 just to the general operating expense of the church. We took up a lot of money last week. Offering today probably won't be much, huh? Praise God, gave it all out. I don't know what will be in the plate, but you know what? You're, you'll get, I know how you are. I know how you are. That's why I love you so much. We've got Cooks and Hills coming. We're doing the bags for Mexico. You know, I ask a lot of you. But you just keep giving because that's the way you are. And I'm so proud to be your pastor. Because I hear preachers talking about their churches. You know, the well, that's enough. But I just love being your pastor. And most of you here today are absolutely living examples of the message that I'm preaching today. I can't thank you enough. I cannot thank you enough for your example, your partnership, your stewardship for the kingdom's sake. But I also want to urge you, because there's still some of you within this group in my voice this morning who are on the margins, who are on the edges, who are just going through the motions, who are acting out of habit rather than commitment. Brian Habig and Les Newsom wrote, a book entitled The Enduring Community. And in there they make this quote, The church is body, and I am either a productive member of that organism or I am actively contributing to its dismemberment. Where do you find yourself today? Where do you find your involvement level today? The thing that I love about our church, and those of you that know me well enough, I don't care if you're a member here or not. I want you to be. But if you want to serve God, I'm going to put you to work. Don't come up and volunteer unless you really mean it. And don't come up whining to me about something that ought to be done because I, the next question I'm going to ask is, are you ready to lead that? Usually, I used to get that a lot. I don't get anybody coming up and saying, boy, you know, we need to have this going on because that's the first thing I ask you. Because if you think it's something we need, then maybe God's passioning your heart for it. So why don't you take the step of faith and go ahead and lead out in that? Amen? But boy, they withdraw quickly. <laughs> so maybe God's laying something on your heart. I don't know. I don't know. 09 is going to be an interesting year for our church. We're, we're moving full steam ahead. You know, a year or so ago, I mentioned about a, a vision that God gave me to be able to reach this community through food and through clothing. And we're moving step by step by step toward that. I hope you're going to be a part of it. We'll tell you more about it. But I just know that God has a lot for us to do. And together, we can do it far better than one or two of us. 
Father, this morning as we prepare for an invitation time, I just want to ask you, Lord, to move in the hearts of your people here. There are people here, Lord, that just need to be touched in a special way. They need to feel you. They need to experience you. And Father, I just ask that you would uh, move and be very real in them. Lord, we love you. We have such a wonderful church here. Uh, we're not a large numbered church. In fact, one of the one of the people that attends here on a regular basis is not a member. Uh, last week told me, he said, you know, preacher, I know why this church is here. I said, why is that? He said, because you're an emergency room. He said, emergency rooms change a lot. He said, but emergency rooms reach out and help people who are having acute needs right now. So, Father, that may be why you have River Oaks here. It's just to be an emergency room for people to come in who are hurt and who are beat up and who are tired so they can find their rest in you. And if that's what we're here for, then so be it. But, God, would you just do what you do in us? Would we allow you to do what you do in us? And, Father, we're going to sing a song, and a song, a powerful song, if we'll stop and listen to the words. And, Father, as we sing it, we ask for a blessing. There's somebody here this morning that doesn't know you at all and wants to, wants to know you as their Savior and Lord. Would they let me know that so we can study with them and get them prepared for that decision? Maybe there's somebody here that's ready to join the church. I want to say, hey, man, I want to put my roots down right here. I want the community to know where I stand. I want my friends to know where I go to church. God, we're ready to receive those folks as well. There's a host of others who just need to go to the cross and get on their knees and cry out to you. We hope that that will happen as well. Father, we're just turn it over to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's